Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We are growing like a weed. Dan Cilio, National Football Show. Welcome aboard with us. It's been pretty interesting, hasn't it, over the last week with the NFL draft, free agency, crying quarterbacks. You know, these guys in Green Bay hate me. Oh, okay. We'll get to that. Jimmy G. You know why I love Jimmy G? The dude dates porn stars, goes out, takes a team to a Super Bowl. How you done? Right? I'm good with that, man. And he's got a guy in his rearview mirror right now, Trey Lance, who nobody knows anything about. There's barely any game film on. And everyone's like, well, here's your heir apparent. Why? Because you said that on draft day? Okay, so we'll hit on that. Deshaun Watson with all the stuff going on. Nobody has brought that thing up at all, right? With all those civil cases that are pending out there, we're going to hit on that. I wrote down a whole boatload of stuff. And Bucky Brooks, so he starts barking something that I heard the other day that was one of the most ridiculous things I ever heard. Yeah, why don't you move on from a guy that's won 80% of your football games and go to Justin Fields? That's the kind of crap that kills me. Lamar Jackson's a winner, man. And Bucky's like, hey, I need some clicks and some followers on my Twitter page. So let's make something BS up. There was a quarterback that was extended. And Deion Sanders is barking about something that is completely irrelevant. We'll get to all that. I do want to tell you who's scheduled to jump on the show with us today. Rick Goslin from Talk of Fame Network and also from the Dallas Morning News. He's a pro football Hall of Fame voter. He is a man that is plugged into the Dallas Cowboys. I know. Cowboys again? What are you, Skip Bayless? I get it. But the Cowboys are one of the most intriguing teams even with the signing of Dak Prescott. We'll get to that, too, with our friend Rick Goslin from Talk of Fame Network. Anthony Beck will join us. He's part of the Buccaneers postgame show, and he's a former Buck, former Jet. We will talk to our friend and get his spin. See, I think the Buccaneers had the best offseason. You bring everybody back and your coordinators. I don't know how you don't think that's not the absolute best. We're also going to try to run down Terry Bradshaw. Bradshaw is now trending on Twitter, and I got to tell you, Terry's not afraid to say anything. I think that's pretty easy when you got four Super Bowl rings, though, right? You could say that when you have four of them things, and you're 4-0 in them, right? And you're like the number one overall selection at one time when you were drafted out of college, and you're considered the greatest quarterback in the history of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and you're on the NFL on Fox. I mean, so very popular. People are trying to run him down. We talked to him earlier today. And he's doing a lot of things at this time, but we hope that we're going to be able to nail him down during these next two hours. So Terry Bradshaw, we're going to try to effort him as we go through the National Football Show. All right, let's get into something that, you know, has been the main topic. It's Aaron Rodgers. You know, I'm going to get accused here of being, old man, get off my lawn, dude. Okay? Oh, man, get off my lawn. 
Okay. Yeah. You know that guy. Hey, man, back in the day, you know, when we played football, we didn't use mouthpieces. You know, we didn't have jock straps. We just went out there and we played, you know, the old way. Face mask. I took that face mask off and I throw it in the trash. I didn't need that song, bitch. Hey, man, you know me. I'm, you know, I don't want to be that guy. You know that guy. You hear him all the time. You know, back when I played, I played with one leg, you know. The other one was a prosthetic, man. <laughs> it's like, no, dog, you know. <laughs> I hate that guy, too. I really do. I hate that dude. But back then, you know, when Bart Starr was chewing on, like, his cigars and cigarettes. and <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, I hate that guy, too, okay? But I will say this. I get that. when See, when I played and I had a chance to play against guys like John Elway, Dan Marino, Phil Simms, these guys were not just, just great players. These guys were just absolute tough guys. And the position demanded that you were a tough guy. Even dudes like Montana, tough guy. Remember what Jim Burt did? Go look on YouTube, man. Jim Burt busted his ass up. And then Leonard Marshall busted his spleen up in an NFC championship game. Joe Montana was a tough dude, man. All them guys were. Because you know why? We didn't have the wormy rules on the quarterbacks protecting them now, you know, so that nobody gets warm. It's actually smart. Let me tell you why it's smart, what the NFL is doing here. The NFL is protecting the visual for television on Sundays. Here, the biggest nightmare for an NFL executive on Park Avenue would be is if you had backups playing in the Super Bowl. That's not something that you want to have. Okay, you don't want to go there and you do not want to see no disrespect, Nikki, but I don't want to see Case Keenum and Nick Foles playing in a conference title game because I'm starting to do this. Who? I don't care, man. I need TV ratings, TV ratings and revenue. I know the fans are out there going, yeah, but wait a minute. That guy, won I'm not talking about you guys who are the hardcore football fans and you just love the, the logo on the helmet. I'm not talking about that, dude. I'm talking about the – see, before I move on to that, you got to remember some football fans. You're a step up from wrestling fans, okay? Hey, man, that thing was real. Did you see that chair hit him in the head 18 times? Dude, 18 times? Okay, I hit a guy with a chair 18 times. He's dead. He's not getting back up doing a pile driver on me, <laughs> okay? So football fans, you're a step up. Hey, man, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers, man, you know? Don't work that way, man. The National Football League looks at its fans a little bit more educated wrestling fans. Why do you think they give you PSLs and you stand in line? Hey, man, I got a PSL here. Yeah, but you know the only thing what a PSL does? It pay, you, you're paying them to stand in line to get potential season tickets. They're double dipping you. Yeah, but I'm a I'm a I'm a fan of the NFL. Yeah. They know that, and they take advantage of that, and they hijack your loyalty to your team because they know they can monetize it. The NFL looks at you as educated wrestling fans. You think they care who's in the Super Bowl every year? Absolutely not. Oh, wait, I'll take that back. They want the Cowboys and the Steelers and the Packers in them conference title games because those are the, quote, big logos. NFL's a business, man. Unlike Major League Baseball, who acts pathetic like a political party, they yanked the MLB 
uh, all-star game out of Atlanta. You think in any way, shape, or form the NFL would have yanked the Super Bowl out of Florida, even though they hated the governor? Not in your life. The NFL's not going to upset advertisers. That's who they are, guys. So they want to have the biggest names and the biggest dudes playing on Sundays. That's why nobody touches the quarterbacks. So I get from my era to today where you had dudes like Aaron Rodgers going, you drafted somebody behind me. Puts a little pouty face on, you know, calls his agent, moans to him, kicks his girlfriend out, gets another girlfriend. These guys are like weird dudes, these quarterbacks. But they're the most essential personnel piece that's on any football team, any football team. And they know that. And now get this. They're being compensated like that. These guys are making north of $40 million now. The position has become the NBA's version of the LeBron Jameses. You see, the only difference in the NFL compared to the NBA, there's one LeBron James. In the NFL, we've got a few LeBron Jameses because of the money that they're making, because of the importance that they have on a team now. So when you hear a guy bitching like Aaron Rodgers, you have to pick your chin up and listen. But here's what the Packers are doing, okay? Now, I said this yesterday to you, and I, I had a conversation with my wife about this. You know, I think I'd be really upset if I was at a party and my old lady looked over at me and she goes like this. You know, for the foreseeable future, dance my husband. I'd be like, wait, wait, what? What was that? <laughs> for the what? That's what the general manager of the Packers has been going around barking. Yeah, for the foreseeable future, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, do I think that, in a nutshell, was the reason that Rodgers is being pissy over the last couple weeks? No. Drafting a quarterback a year ago? Okay, now you're starting to add things. How about the play calling in the conference championship game this last year? The guy, the defensive coordinator, giving up that touchdown going into the half? And then the decision by Matt LaFleur not to go for it on fourth down. Okay, now you bring up a few things here that I got a problem with. How about them jettisoning guys off the team? You know, Aaron Jones got that contract in the 23rd hour. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers was like, so you're going to get rid of our best back that we've had in this building since I've been a Packer quarterback, a starting quarterback? You're going to get rid of that guy? What happened? Next day... The Packers signed that guy. They found the money somewhere. They were going to let him walk. Green Bay does not extend dudes with big money. You know the only free agent, the gigantic free agent I can ever remember them signing is Reggie White. I, I don't remember them going out going, let's bring this guy. to Reggie White is like a once-in-a-lifetime football player, okay? He's once-in-a-lifetime. So this relationship is – here, let's do this. I'm gonna, we're going to talk divorce here. You know how you get into a party and you start talking trash to the girl who you kind of don't respect anymore? You don't respect her. You, you know, And she doesn't respect you. Uh, yeah, that's my guy over there. He's just a tool. All of a sudden, you start hearing those things being said, right? That's a sign of disrespect in public. You know, your partner that you're married to, you guys are supposed to be partners. You see, 
hey, after all the love and hugs, you got to be friends. You got to respect one another in a relationship if you want it to last a long time. I've been married to my old lady for 33 years. Okay. Hey, there's no question. Sometimes the person I hate the most, but clearly the person I love the most. And we've gone back and forth and we've made that relationship work. We've said things to one another, but we always buried the hatch because we got a daughter, we got a great life, and everything's wonderful. We see the big picture. Well, that's what the quarterback has to be like today with his football team. They've got to have a relationship like that. Do you have to kiss your quarterback's ass more today than you did back in the day? Yes. How about this, too? Let's do this behind the field here. Do you like it? No. Because no man should talk to another man like that. Hey, how you feeling? You're all right? I get it. But that's the way it is today, man. Athletes are treated differently. And know this. If you're saying all this crap publicly, what are the Green Bay Packers saying behind Aaron Rodgers' back? All you have to do is just take a look at what they're doing. They went out and drafted a guy last year in the first round, and they moved their ass up to get the dude. Trust me. If they thought that guy was ready to play, Aaron Rodgers would have been on a new football team prior to the NFL draft. But they know he's not ready yet. I saw that guy, and there were guys that were in that organization a year ago told me, I don't know. And you moved up. And by the way, you've got to decide whether or not you keep that guy on your team or you go into the draft again to find somebody else. Because I'll tell you this, you better be damn sure that Love, he's the guy that could take over for Aaron Rodgers. You better be sure. Now, look, I, I want you all to know this. Do I think Aaron Rodgers is weak? Do I think Aaron Rodgers is a crybaby? Absolutely. But that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. Okay? Watch this. Being critical of him? No. That's who that guy is. Identify who he is. What's the problem saying that? You see, what the Packers can't do, and they are doing, you can't go like this. Since this guy's soft... And this guy gets this guy gets all butthurt over the fact that we drafted a guy a year ago. There's some things in the organization he doesn't like. Oh, that's irrelevant. You got to kiss his ass if you want to win. That guy is a once in a lifetime thrower of the football. You got to start deciding, okay, is this relationship I personally think the relationship is unrepairable. You talk trash to the guy. You traded on him. You're saying things publicly like this. Well, hey, man, you know, for the foreseeable future, he's our guy. Hey, guess what? Kiss my can. For the foreseeable future, I'm here a little bit until I can force my ass out of this place. I, you know, here, you know, someone asked me, so how do you look at Rodgers? I look at Rodgers as being soft and immature. Not the best teammate. A team reminds me a lot of LeBron James. Yeah, but so what? So what? You're a GM. One of your major like job requirements is to be an ass kisser and to be a liar. Hey, Aaron, we love you. Don't go publicly and start barking. He's the guy for the foreseeable future. What a tool bag. The, the Packers are not getting this right. Now, here's something else to think about. Maybe the Packers are planning this the way. Hey, what did the Packers do to Brett Favre, man? Was that divorce ugly too, right? One thing is definitely sure. 
is that the Packers, the Packers are notorious, notorious for doing this stuff. Notorious. And make no mistake about it, this is going to end brutally. Okay. You see, I think people think that, are you going to kill Aaron Rodgers today? I already know that he's this dude. Why are you pretending he's not that guy? He's soft. He's weak. He's great. Is he the best leader? No. You know, I mean, is he one of the best throwers of the football? Yes. Tell the book story, dude. Tell the story on who he is. See, the Packers don't like that guy. They don't like that guy. They want him to be more in line with the Packer way. Rodgers is not. Well, that's a you thing then. The Green Bay Packer organization is doing this wrong. Should you kiss a star's ass in today's world? Yes. Yes, in today's world. Hey, back in like 1990 and 86 when I played and everybody was, you know, we're all heart and but that dude, that days are gone, man. There were things you could say on radio, on television, all in the family was being played back then. You think you could put that crap on the TV today? Never in a million years. That's cable, dudes. World has changed. You got to get over yourself. And the teams that evolve, like the Pittsburgh Steelers and how to handle players, that's why they're successful. Hey, you think that the Roonies knew how to handle Terry Bradshaw back in the day compared to how they handled Ben Roethlisberger? You think any way, shape, or possible that Chuck Knoll treated the way he treated Terry Bradshaw and the way that Bill Cowher and Mike Tomlin treat Ben Roethlisberger, you think is the same? Oh, here's the one thing, too. Oh, yeah, well, you know, every guy on the team is, you know, we're all in this together and treat everybody the same. Kiss that, too, dude. Let me bring up a little of a playbook here out of my boy Jimmy Johnson's playbook here. Oh, yeah, chapter four. You know what that is? If you're a star, you get treated here. And if you're a turd on the team, you get treated down here. And he lets you know right away. And he lets you know right away. Okay, if you think you can't look at Aaron Rodgers today, if you're the Packers, the Packers, this is a this is a Green Bay issue. Now, I'll say it one more time to you here. I think the Green Bay Packers, <laughs> I think the Green Bay Packers are doing this publicly on person and uh, on purpose is what I think they're doing. What's the fastest way for you to want to get under someone's skin? What does a coach usually do? Coach goes to the podium, right? Starts saying this. Well, I don't know about you, man, but that guy needs to up his game, man, because I saw him last week, and I got to tell you, I don't know. You know, we're going to have to reevaluate, put him in a better position to win. Anytime you hear a coach saying, we got to put a player in a better position to win, you're on, your ass is on the hot seat, Okay. Coach, start talking like that. That's coach talk for up your game. Let's go. Or we'll find a guy on the roster, or we'll go out in free agency, or we'll make a trade to bring someone in here. You can't make that kind of money that you're making, and all of a sudden you're just uh, flopping around on a football field. That's not going to work for any owner. That's not going to work for any GM. That's not going to work for any head coach. 
doesn't work like that. So what organizations do, they start they start spreading out things like to the agents. Hey, yeah, you know, Rogers is this guy. You know, we have to deal with him. It's all good. Then the agents start talking. Packers are looking at a quarterback. Packers are a little bit upset with Aaron Rodgers. Then that stuff starts getting out in the open. You see, the general managers talk to agents every single day. Every day they talk to agents. And you know when they hear something? Like, see, when you when you call up, let's just, for instance, say the Eagles, and you're talking to Howie, and you go, hey, Howie, and you're Drew Rosenhaus, the agent, and you go like this, yeah, man, I got a guy here, and I know that, you know, you guys are looking to evaluate the position of tight end, and you're talking about somebody else's client, he'll say something to, to Drew, and what Drew will do with his minions that he has working at his organization, they'll get that out somehow on social media, that the Eagles aren't happy with Zach Ertz because he's making so much dough. Can't trade him until June 1. Call me back around that time. We may have a deal. Okay? Supposedly now, and just to go on that, supposedly Urban Meyer is trying to get Zach Ertz down to Jacksonville. Okay? Can't do anything until I think till June 1 with the dude. But, yeah, these agents talk and they start saying things and they spread it out there. So that's how this thing has really kind of facilitated into being something here is, quite frankly, because – the Packers want it out. Well, if the Packers want it out, I would be looking at this then. You think Green Bay moves this guy after June 1? Boy, what a salary cap hit that will be. If this guy ends up in any way, okay, being moved, wow, is that going to destroy the Green Bay Packers salary cap? He is a massive hit to that cap. However, you get – you get assets and you can build up draft choices by trading him away and say to Denver, where I think is a landing spot for him, then guess what? Okay, Green Bay's got a balance, but this is not Green Bay's MO, man. It's not what they do. They have never done – they moved off of Bart Starr this way. They moved off of Favre like this. And, look, they're moving off of Aaron Rodgers, and they're going to make this thing as ugly as they possibly can. And this is Green Bay's way. This is more on the Packers. Because you know what you're doing? You're kind of like publicly shaming Aaron Rodgers. He's difficult. He's pissed. He doesn't like we drafted a guy. He kind of doesn't like the coaching staff, even though he is 26 and 6 over the last two years. But he's kind of wore out his welcome. You know, sometimes in a relationship, you just, it's just like, it's, not attainable to stay together. That's what this is. So why go into the 2021 season knowing that you got a quarterback that hates playing for you and you hate him in your huddle? What's the point? You're not trying to win. You're just trying to get through it. And that tells the rest of your guys on your roster, we're not looking to win this year. We're looking to move on from Rodgers this year. Man, that's a tough sell for that Packer fan base. That really is. All right. Let's transition over here to Jimmy Garoppolo. I like Jimmy G. Paisan, you know, okay, right. He's Italian, so I'm always partial to that. Okay, I am. All right, I love Jimmy G. Trey Lance will be lucky if he's anything remotely close to Jimmy G in talent. You think Trey Lance is going to be a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, that's a big, that's a big statement. 
if he, Jimmy Garoppolo has won an NFC title, okay, he has a winning record. In San Francisco, he's 22-8. and eight. I get it, 53% of his games he's missed. I've underlined that numerous times. But let's play a game here. Let's just go like this. Flip a coin here. Bang. Heads Jimmy G is going to make it through a year. Tails, he's not. It's heads. So Garoppolo goes and takes the team back to the NFC title game. By the way, that roster is as good as any roster in the NFL. As good as any roster in the NFL. And you put a quarterback behind the center that can play and that can win. All of a sudden, you got another dilemma you're in. Okay, so I'm going to trade a Super Bowl quarterback who's gone to two Super Bowls, has gone to two conference championships, has won two NFC titles, and I'm going to deal that guy for a guy I don't know can play yet. What's the words? Project and, you know, he, he he's somebody that will have to get better over the next couple of years. Really? Well, then, man, if you ain't drafting somebody at that position that's ready to sling it and throw that rock around and spin it for you right away, Man, that is a really tough sell for me. See, to me, I think the 49ers wasted this pick. The problem that I have with it is, who is this kid? He played at a school, small school, nobody knows anything about. I get it. Carson Wentz went there. Great. Okay. It's Division One AA, man. Nobody, I don't know any, I, I don't see any game fill on this guy. Seriously, I have to go. To YouTube. Now, does that mean he's not good? I don't know. I can't make an assessment because I've never seen the guy play in my life. And he plays at a small school. Some would go, well, you would never have found Jerry Rice. Maybe, but you know what I would have found? I would have went out there and I would have found Andre Johnson. Okay, you're right. I may not have Jerry Rice on my team, but I am going to get Andre Johnson right. I am going to get Calvin Johnson right, okay? I am going to get Keyshawn Johnson right. Why? Those guys played at big schools and performed in the big conferences. My chances of doing this, hey, Jerry played at Mississippi Valley. How many wide receivers you think ever came out of Mississippi Valley that were good after Jerry? I don't remember any. Do you miss on a guy like that? Yeah, but I'm, like I said, I'm not missing on Andre Johnson or Michael Irvin. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, but they're not quite – I'm not missing on Larry Fitzgerald. Okay, look at all these big dudes, man. Julio Jones, you think I'm missing on that guy? I'm not missing on any of those guys. Those guys are all going to be stars that played at Bama, especially the perimeter guys. Those guys are so gifted. You see how wide open those lanes are at Alabama? Okay? I mean, it's remarkable when you go to big schools. All right. All that being said, Trey Lance, I don't know anything about him. I think it's a stupid pick. How about the 49ers get Kyle Pitts there and put him on that football team next to Garoppolo? Or if you're going to draft somebody that's ready to sling it and spin it for you, I would have went with Mac Jones. Dude, and, and, you know, I, I love what people said about Mac Jones. Well, he played with all those great gifted guys. Did they win? Remember when Carl Malone went to the Lakers? And the Lakers just could not win, could not do anything. Remember that Eagle team with all those stars on it that couldn't do jack because they just weren't in sync? You know, you could put all – look at the 
Look at the Washington team thing, whatever they call that thing. Look at them. Every year, Daniel Snyder brings people in. Do they ever win? They're like the Raiders version of the East Coast. They don't win because you put all them dudes on the team. That's not how you win ball games, man. You win ball games by, by putting people that fit in with you, man. Okay? Not by adding all these tremendous superstars. Okay? So my point is, is that the 49ers, they have a Super Bowl team. My job is to keep Garoppolo healthy. If Trey Lance sees the time of day in the first half of the season, 49ers will be in the same boat that they were in last year and in the years that Garoppolo was hurt because you know why? You're not going to have a guy that can throw it or get you wins. This is about winning ball games, man. Developing players at the third pick. I have always, as a football guy, thought that was ridiculous. The third pick in the draft? No, no, no. You mean like the 29th pick or the 105th pick you want to develop? I'm not looking to develop the third pick in the draft. I always thought that was ass-backwards thinking, man. Hey, let's do this. The 109th player taken. Uh, there's probably something there. You want to get them stronger. You you want to see if you can get them reps. The third pick in the draft, I'm paying that guy guaranteed money of $40 million. Okay, and if he's a quarterback in the option year, he's getting 18-8 as of this year. You better be good, dude. Trey Lance, project, that pick sucks. That pick stinks. I have no – hey, someone may say this to me. Well, you know, we know more than you do. Fair enough. Fair enough. We'll find out real soon. But Trey Lance, who has limited playing time at a school that I've barely heard of. What's the what – Bison's or something like that? And just because Carson Wentz went there, man, I don't know. Guy played one game last year. And I, I, I just don't get that move. I, I, I don't. If you're looking for a quarterback, why didn't you go get Teddy Bridgewater? You could have won. You could have won an NFC championship with that roster with Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater is not a bad quarterback. Hell, you could have maybe even went to a playoff game or you could have maybe even got to the conference championship game with a Tyrod Taylor. Let's not forget something about Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor was a pro bowler when he was in Buffalo. So, I mean, if you think you have to have some gigantic superstar quarterback to get you to a playoff, just ask Case Keenum or Kirk Cousins or them dudes. You don't have to have some sort of, like, monster statue dude back there like Brady and Manning to win ball games. you got to have durable and reliable. I think sometimes people are – they overthink this draft sometimes. And get this, I think Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch – you got your ass on the line for this thing here. You really do. You have your ass on the line here. All right. I want to hit on something that I saw people saying about the Dallas Cowboys. That the Dallas Cowboys have improved this offseason. And I will tell you, man, I don't see where the Cowboys got better. I think they got more solidified. At the quarterback position by giving Dak Prescott his money. 
I think they addressed a need at linebacker by getting Mika Parsons from, from Penn State. But you still got issues on that football team in the defensive line. I think they addressed some of that stuff in the draft. The Cowboys are a little bit light in the secondary. Did the Dallas Cowboys, and I always say this, you're never going to get a draft grade out of me. You're never going to hear me talk about how a team did in the draft, but you're always going to hear me talk about how a team did when it came to, you know, the offseason. How did you take the upcoming season with all the free agent movement? And then on top of that, how did you how did you take free agency and the draft and combine it and put it all together? Did you get better? Were you able to improve your team? Let's say this to you here. Jerry Jones is one of the absolute greatest NFL people of all time. He's one of the greatest NFL guys that has ever been around when it came to being in the National Football League. He is. He's a trendsetter. He's a guy that, um, you know, he's, he, he's, a, he's a guy – that without a doubt, he understands. He understands how to market and how to um, get his football team in front of people. And he knows how to build that team. He took a lot of lessons. Okay, he took a lot of lessons from Al Davis, and he's built a empire there in Dallas. Make no mistake about it. He really has. He's done a great job at marketing that football team. But as a football man, the only person that I can ask right now is my Hall of Fame voter from Talk of Fame Network is our friend Rick Goslin. Rick, how you doing, brother? I appreciate you doing this. Thank you, Rick. Rick, you there? Okay, we'll try to catch up with him here in a second here. Hopefully we can get his audio up there. Rick's been covering the National Football League for a long time. He is a Hall of Fame voter. He is a guy that has been covering Jerry Jones since he bought the team. He was really one of the original guys that broke the story. And, you know, you know, tried to get it all done there by making that sale happen. And Rick Goslin was there when it happened. And he was there for that dynasty. And we bring our friend in from Talk of Fame Network again, Rick Gosselin. Rick, how you doing, my friend? Spectacular, Dan. How about you? Oh, good, Rick. All right. You know, I, I heard people saying this, Rick. You know, a couple of days after the draft that the Cowboys got better. What says you on this offseason for them? Well, they drafted defense. They couldn't get any worse. When they had one of the a historically bad defense, they allowed a franchise record number of points. They ranked 31st against the rush. They gave up the third most touchdown passes. They were inept on defense. So they drafted eight defensive players and signed five more for agency. They're going to overhaul this defense. You, you could have eight or nine new starters from a year ago, and, and it, it's needed. So, yeah, they're definitely better because they're newer. Yeah, but, but Rick, anytime that you see a lot of new faces, that always makes me push the pause button because, for me, when I see all those changes – and you get free agents or you get guys coming in from the draft, you don't have the familiarity of what's being asked. They're changing up the defense again. Dan Quinn's coming in. And for me, I mean, all the new faces, is that a reason to pause too on expectations is coming here? 
Well, Dan Quinn is bringing in a, a new defense, and I, I'm sure that he looked at the tape and saw he couldn't win with what was on the field last year. So his thumbprints were all over this draft. They got, they got a lot of big corners, tall guys, length was important, long arms. They're, they're reshaping the defense in his image. And again, it was historically bad last year. So if you got any kind of upgrades, you may move from you know 30th in, in the league of defense to 20th. And I think they're hoping there's better coaching and they certainly need better playing. And and I, you know, when the Cowboys won at 92, that was one of the youngest defenses in the league. That was one of the youngest teams in the league. They won with a lot of young guys. Now they should win this division by default this year. With Prescott back, if they go eight and eight, they should win the division. Now is the time to play these young guys and get them up to speed. Because if you're trying to beat the, the, the Buccaneers, maybe you want veteran presence. But this way, you play young guys, they'll be much better by midseason and going forward. That, that team that won 77 with the 30 does very young defense. So I, I think I'm all for changing as many faces as you can. Get young guys in there and give you, if you don't have a present, give yourself a future. And I think they've given themselves a future with this draft. I want to get, I want you to give me your overall assessment, Rick, of Jerry Jones, not the businessman, but Jerry Jones, the football man. Well, he won three Super Bowls because Jimmy Johnson was in the building. Jimmy leaves the building. They win one more on fumes on Jimmy's players. And it's been 25 years since they last appeared in an NFC title game. I mean, Jimmy had the blueprint. J Jimmy knew what he was looking for. And the Cowboys have had different coaches, different personnel guys, different players, and they haven't been able to get that magic back because Jimmy was special. He was a special football guy. Belichick, special. Pete Carroll, special. They haven't found special since then. You know, and, 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 and it just seems to like every single year he's chasing the grail again. And, you know, if Brady was chasing the grail on winning a Super Bowl, Rick, tell me if you subscribe to where I'm going here. You know, it was always who was more important in New England? Was it, you know, Tom Brady or was it Belichick? Boy, I'll tell you something. He may have learned all the things he needed to learn on um, the Patriot way, but he implemented them during the pandemic. And he goes down to Tampa and he wins a Super Bowl. And he's kind of changed the narrative a little bit in that room where you look at Brady now and you go, I'll tell you what, the Patriots didn't make the playoffs. And I got to tell you, this guy goes down to Tampa and a team that hadn't made the playoffs in 12 years, a team that was nowhere near to be anything last year. They had 30 turnovers from the quarterback himself. They were seven wins last year. and They win a Super Bowl. I don't know. And when I look at Jerry and Jimmy and that whole thing, it just seems to me that Jerry's chasing like the Holy Grail. I got to win one without that guy to really solidify myself as a GM and a football person. Do you agree with what I'm saying? Yeah. The thing is, you know, I, I think Belichick and Brady were good for each other for those 20 years. And you talk about, you know, who was more important. Well, look at look at virtually all the Hall of Fame coaches. They were one quarterback coaches. Paul Brown had Otto Graham. Lombardi had Starr. Noel had Bradshaw. Walsh had Montana. Jimmy had Aikman. Those coaches didn't win again without those quarterbacks. And Belichick had Brady. So I think it you can't undersell what Belichick meant to Brady. You can't undersell what Brady meant to Belichick. Uh, I thought Tampa was ready. Uh, with the weapons they had, I think Brady picked it. He called his shot. And then he brings in Gronkowski. He wants Antonio Brown in. I mean, that team was ready to win. 
It wasn't ready to win with Jameson Winston, but it was ready to win with Tom Brady. And he got a coach that was more receptive to what he wanted to do. He was going to let Brady basically call the shots on offense. So this is it was a perfect situation for Brady. You know, I, I was listening the other day to Dan Mullen talking about Dak Prescott when he was his coach at Mississippi State. And I'm going to tell you where I've changed my opinion on him, Rick, and maybe you being around him and having a chance to speak to him more than I have, that, you know, you, you maybe you see the same thing. Dan Mullen said this, and I'll put it in a brief synopsis here. When we invited him, he's like to a camp when he was in high school. Man, I just – I didn't think nothing of him. He didn't have a very good arm. He didn't really – wasn't very accurate. But all of a sudden, the strength and conditioning coach comes over to Dan Mullen, the Mississippi State head coach then, and goes, you got to sign that guy immediately. And Dan Mullen goes, hey, man, I hope he can throw the ball better. So what he did was he gave him some skill sets, and he came back the following year, and he came to that camp, and he had just improved – from this point to this point, Dan Mullen went like this. Holy crap, this guy really improved. They bring him into Mississippi State. His freshman year he was okay, but he kept this line and his trajectory of getting better and better and better. He goes, by the time his junior year came, he goes, I could not believe from where he was three years ago to where he is here. And where I'm going with this is maybe we're talking about a late bloomer guy here. He gets all the money. They solidify the position now. But do you see that same thing? I'm expecting a big year from Dak, and I expect Dak even coming off an injury. I expect him to be really a catalyst over these next couple of years. Do you see that same kind of characteristic of him? I, I thought the, the, the best thing about Dak Prescott coming out of his state was the intangibles. He is a tremendous leader. He doesn't. He's not. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's not Drew Brees. He's not uh, Tom Brady. I mean, he's got his own little skill set, but what a tremendous leader! And the players rally around him. He inspires them. Uh, whether it's making a play with his arm or his legs, he seems to make a play when he needs it. Now, last year we saw him take the next step as a passer. He had a run. He was after five games. He was an MVP candidate. He was 400, 500 yards a week. So. You put great weapons around him, you're going to make a better quarterback. Now, when he didn't have Elliott uh, during that suspension, it, he struggled. Before they got uh, Amari Cooper, when they tried to go by receiver by committee, he struggled. Now, when you put the weapons around him, like most quarterbacks, he's going to be better. And I think that's the case. This is a loaded offense. Two years ago, they were the number one offense in football. They were heading that direction last year before Dak got hurt. I think with, with the talent he has around him, he can be a special quarterback. But I think his intangibles are still what carries his game. His teammates believe in him. And that's what Troy Aikman had. You walk in the huddle, we're going to get this done. And they believed him. And I think that's the, the belief that Dak carries. Now, no matter what the situation, we're going to come back, we're going to win this game. Rick, Mike McCarthy, um, let me throw this at you here. I compare him to George Seifert. And where I go here with that is, Guy was spectacular when he had the personnel in San Francisco. He goes to Carolina. Everyone went like this to him. Wow, that's the guy? He was all over himself in Carolina. And with a record, if you look at his one-loss percentage, I mean, it's Hall of Fame-worthy stuff when you look at the numbers that he had when he was in San Francisco. And you could make the argument, Rick. I mean, win percentage-wise, that guy's in a conversation. I mean, but he goes to Carolina, and everyone kind of went like this. I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, I look at Mike McCarthy. 
I saw him kind of fumble all over himself. And then I heard that thing the other day with the number one overall selection that the Cowboys took that Mika Parsons guy, not overall, but the Cowboys pick at 12. And he wasn't even on the Zoom call to welcome him into Cowboy Nation. It was the D.C. that was in. And I'm thinking to myself, Mike McCarthy, I mean, how do you see him, Rick, as a coach for the Cowboys? Do you think he also improves this year? Again, he was a great coach when he had Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> the coach is only as good as his quarterback. Now, he didn't have Prescott last year. He was a 4-12 and team because he lost his quarterback. Now, I think he'll have a better judge and better gauge on McCarthy this year. If he has Prescott for 16 games and they go 10-6, you can say, yeah, Mike's, Mike's back and they're on their way. But he was trying to win. He, like, he had, they started four different quarterbacks last year, and he's an offensive guy. That's tough to do when you have no continuity uh, at the quarterback position. But I think it, it's a bad year to judge McCarthy. There was no defense last year and there's no quarterback. I think you'll have a much better feel this year. You've got a defensive coordinator that has his own blueprint. You've got players to implement that blueprint. And you've got a healthy Dak Prescott, Dak Prescott. If they go 10 or 11 wins this year, you'll say, yeah, good hire. Mike McCarthy, good hire. All right, let me let me get some NFL questions here. I want to get your thoughts on what's going on in Green Bay. I'll tell you something, Rick. I've never seen anything like this. But then again, if you start thinking about how the Packers acted with Favre, they like these ugly divorces, it seems. I mean, it's they did it with Favre, and now it seems that they're now doing with Rodgers the same way. The difference here is, is that because of the money, and I guess it's because of the times, you know, you're you're hearing Aaron Rodgers bark back. I mean – how do you think this thing ends this year? Do you think he's still a starting quarterback for the Green Bay Packers? I know it would be a massive salary cap hit to that football team this year if he ends up doing that. But, I mean, how do you, how do you resolve this, what's going on in Green Bay? Well, it's, it's a bad situation because no matter what you trade him for, you will not get equal compensation for the NFL's reigning MVP. You can trade him for three ones and three twos. You're still not getting Aaron Rodgers back. So I – I think the Packers are going to play it out as long as they can, hoping that they can uh, change his mind, that they can want him to come back. Uh, I don't know. I wish I had a crystal ball. But this is – I've never seen a predicament like this. Um, where they're basically forcing the quarterback out. You know, they should have told yep. him they'd taken love. They didn't. Uh, it's a mess. And it's it's a mess that's been brought on by the Packers themselves. I, I, I can't even speculate how it's going to end up. Because if you trade him the salary cap hit, the lack of compensation back, you're going to look bad to your fan base. So I think what you do is you try to hold on to him as long as you possibly can. But it's it's going to be a pretty good salary cap hit when they try to move him off that roster. You know, another thing, too, I want to slide down to Tampa and talking about people with autonomy in their organization. I, I tell you something. I think this is another way of the Buccaneers and Tom Brady to throw an arrow back at the Patriots. And tell me if I'm off my rails here when I say this, because two weeks ago, Jason like the general manager of the Buccaneers and Bruce Arians went to Tom Brady and said, hey, we're thinking of drafting Kyle Trask out of Florida. Do you have, are you cool with that? Is everything what – do you, what do you make of that? And like Tom Brady, I guess, gave them the, the Pope's wand or the Pope's wave of, of approval and said, okay, that's cool with me. Yeah, no problem. He'll sit behind me. I'll teach him this and that. Do you think that's a one-off thing? Or do you think now because of the power of the quarterback position in the NFL, you're going to see more guys being more connected into their front offices and coaches that you're going to make them part of personnel moves? Or is this just a Brady thing? I think it's 
first off, Brady's worth seven rings. You better keep, <laughs> him, you better keep him in the loop. Um, Kyle, Kyle Trask is not a threat to Tom Brady. He's a third-round draft pick. And Tom's, you know, he's in his 40s now. He's not going to be playing forever. Yeah, but, how, but, but, but Rick, how could Love be a threat to Aaron Rodgers? He was like a one. He said he's Aaron Rodgers. He was a first-round draft pick. I get it. You're right. Just like and Aaron Rodgers was the first round. Aaron Rodgers was a first-round draft pick to Brett Favre. He sat for three years, but he eventually got that job. Yep. And I saw. I think that Rodgers looking well. He's eventually going to get this job. He's trying to force his hand now. But Trask, I mean, he, they're going to have a year or two to groom him when Brady retires in a couple of years. Then it'll be his job. But yeah, you want to keep him in the loop. The Packers should have told uh, Love that they're going. You got a franchise quarterback. There are what half a dozen franchise quarterbacks. You want to keep him happy. You want to keep him in the loop. And that's where the Packers failed, and the Buccaneers did not. All right. Since you're on the Veterans Committee and you're on the you're a Hall of Fame voter, I got to tell you, man, putting Alex Karras into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, um, I I was like, I knew Alex, and there was a guy that I kind of patterned my game after too, and I just revered the guy. And he was one of the top players in the '60s. Jerry Kramer says he was one of the toughest players he ever played against. What did you think of him being selected into the Hall of Fame finally? Oh, without a question, I was I was an advocate of Alex Karras. I thought that was one of the glaring omissions. There were th three defensive tackles picked to the 1960s all-decade team. Two of them went in on the first ballot, and Alex Karras waits. He's never discussed as a finalist. He finally gets in as, as, as an, uh, in that centennial class. But keep in mind, he was, he was playing at a different level back in the 60s as a pass rusher. You know, he had more career sacks than Warren Sapp. And he was playing in the 1960s when it was run twice and throw once. Yeah. And he had, he had, he had one more sack, 97 and a half sacks, one more than Warren Sapp, playing during a run the football era. I thought this was one of the glare. I think Jerry Kramer, Johnny Robinson, and Alex Karras were three of the most glaring omissions in the Hall of Fame. And we've taken care of all three of them these last three years. You know, finally here, I got a poster on my wall over here that was signed by the entire sack exchange. And I got Klecko and Gassino, and Mark's a friend of mine here. I think those two players should have some at least consideration. Player of the year was Mark Gassino, as a defensive player of the year, was really the first inventor of the sack dance, held that record for a boatload of years for the all-time single-season pack uh, sack, Mark. I mean, if you had to pick between Klecko and Gassino to get your vote to go into the Hall of Fame, who would it be? I would probably go Klecko. For the longer career, he went to the Pro Bowl of three different positions. There was a little more variety to his game. But I think both of them should be discussed. And that's the biggest problem I have with this Hall of Fame committee. We don't discuss, discuss enough candidates. You know, too many players. I'm on the senior committee. I've got a list right now of 80 seniors that I think need to be discussed. Now, are they 80 Hall, 80 Hall of Famers? No. But they should have been discussed at some point in their lives, and they weren't. Now, if a third of them got in, that would be great. Klecko and Gastineau should both be discussed for the impact they played on the game. But when you're the best pass rusher in the NFL for a given season, which Gastineau was actually for a couple of years, I mean, you need to be discussed where, in terms of where you fit in the history of the game. It hasn't happened. But again, I've got 80 seniors, and I wish they could all be discussed. But it just, and now we're getting to put in one a year. So off this list of 80, I get peel off one a year. Oh, that's not. That's not good enough. All, all these guys should have been discussed. When we had the centennial class, I, I was pushing for a class of 20 to 25 players. We ended up with 10. 
20 to 25 would at least move the log jam or log jam around a little bit. Not so. It's 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 ter- it's shameful what's happened. A lot of these great players that never got discussed. How come Ed White's not in the Hall of Fame? Who's that? Ed White. Good question. <laughs> we were talking uh, four Super Bowls when we had Fannikin and, and Hutchinson on the ballot. They were talking about those two guys, and and they said Howard Mudd preferred Hutchinson to to uh, Fannikin, and I said, well, Howard Mudd preferred Ed White to those two guys, and we have never discussed Ed White. Again, another guy that should have been discussed and just fell through the cracks, and I can't explain why I wasn't on the committee until the you know, late 90s. Um, I can't explain it, but it, what what's happened is a lot of guys have been shortchanged by the Hall of Fame process. Yeah, I mean, he's on the all-time Vikings team. He's on the all-time Chargers team. He's got numerous Pro Bowls. I mean, it's. I, I look at his resume and I'm like, wow. It, now, 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 Rick. To be fair, finally here. To be fair here, is it is it is it fair that the organization also could take accountability here and not promoting these guys more to be considered for the Hall of Fame? You shouldn't have to promote a guy. The guy belongs uh, in the Hall of Fame. You shouldn't have to enough. promote him. That said, in the last ten years, the process has gotten so political. You know, back when I first got in, you know, it was us discussing who we thought the best players were. Now there's campaigns being waged, and some guys are getting in on the strength of their campaigns, and they're jumping the queue on a lot of other guys. So you can blame the team, but if we're the 48 best Hall of Fame minds, we should be able to figure out the best players. And right now, that's not happening. Absolutely. Rick, I appreciate it, man. I, You know, I love talking Hall of Fame with you. There's so many great players. I got my uncle's jersey on the wall over here, Robustelli. That's yeah. his induction to the uh, giant Ring of Honor the night he went into the Ring of Honor for the New York Giants. I got Leroy Salmon, who signed this thing here for me. Two of the greatest defensive players that ever played in the National Football League, right? You got it. <laughs> you get Jane, you get, you get uh, Jerome Brown and Reggie White. You got a you got a full load there. Oh, absolutely, Rick. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Dan. Have a good day. You got it, Rick Oslin from Talk of Fame Network, and also a Hall of Fame voter. He's also on the Veterans Committee, and he is also on the committee that looks at every single one of those players who have been overlooked. And he's got to put Harold Carmichael in. You know, he made a pitch for Harold Carmichael to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's a guy that goes out and kind of tries to correct a wrong if a guy has been overlooked when it comes to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I I think I really loved what he said when we were talking about, you know, the Cowboys team this year. My expectations on the Dallas Cowboys this year, I look at the Cowboys and I look – Do they win the NFC East? Here's how I look at the NFC East. Best quarterback in that division is who? Okay. (laughs) Don't don't give me Ryan Fitzpatrick, please. I know Fitzmagic. No, no, no. Okay. Best quarterback in that division. It's Dak Prescott. He better be. This guy's making $42 million. He better be. Okay. Second best quarterback in that division. Okay. Dimes Jones. You know, I look at the Giants and Dave Gettleman and the general manager there, and they're saying how much they love this guy, and he was banged up a year ago. I think that guy has a lot to be desired for, man. And, of course, you know, you know, Krause just sends me Jalen Hurts. Oh, <laughs> Jalen Hurts. Here, let me, let me do this, though. 
let me tell you the positives and negatives on, on, on Hertz. I love the fact that I said this a couple days ago. I love the fact that Hertz could go from the Bama program, deal with Steve Sarkeesian. Okay. Then get this. They bench his ass for Tua Tech of Viola. Did he cry and bitch and moan? No. He was a hell of a teammate. Sat there, helped the kid. And hey, that's an asset. And if you're if you're a team out there and you see how he handled that situation, that impresses me more than what he did, even in the SEC game, to put that team into the national championship. Because you know why? When you do stuff like that, that's your next job. And when I see a guy act like that on the bench, not being a distraction, not being a bitch, not being any – and being a good teammate, boy, I'll tell you what, man, you get massive check marks, and I'm going to give you – and I'm going to hang a star on you there. Absolutely. I'm going to go, that right there is a great asset. So he gets the blessing of Nick Saban. He transfers to Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma. Immediately his teammates love him. So he goes from one major program to another major program, elevates them both just by his character. That's – dude, this guy is a great teammate. That is a dude I want on my roster. Jalen Hurts is a guy I want on my roster. Then I, got to, I have to determine, is that the guy that can lead my guys to a championship? Look, look, look at how it played out in, 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 in Philly. He gets drafted. They actually move up to the second round to get the dude, right? And his presence in the locker room, it wasn't his words. It was his presence made Carson Wentz uncomfortable. That's when you know you have a dude that can walk into a locker room, a huddle, and everybody is commanding Okay, and looking at you for respect. Okay, when my presence and not my words aggravates you, that's a hell of a thing to have. Tom Brady's got presence. Brett Favre has presence. Peyton Manning, presence. Elway, presence. You walk into the room, these dudes don't have to say anything. That's a massive asset. So what do we have? Good teammate. Program the program, and he's got a presence about himself. Now is where I look at him and go, okay, does he have now the intangibles to be the face of a franchise? Okay. They went out, and they ended up going out, and you know what they did? They got a wide receiver that he's familiar with. Right? So what they did was – and this is what the Eagles are telling you. The Eagles are telling you right now that guess what? We're going to give this kid every opportunity to win the job. Okay? Because you know, you know what they could have did? They could have went off page and did something off script. Okay? They could have did something completely off script. They went out the same way. And get this, the Dolphins took exactly with the same page out of what the Eagles did. And what did they do? They got Waddle. And they said, well, he threw to him too. Okay? Jamar Chase at LSU. Well, where is he playing this coming fall? In Cincinnati with the guy who threw him the football. Right? All right. We are going to take a look at this Deshaun Watson story. Anthony Beck's going to join us. We're going to hope to catch up also 
with our friend Terry Bradshaw. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave, take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself. The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mag. The legendary sports talker joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mac and Jody Mac across the Jacob Media Network. Hour two National Football Show with your boy Dan Cilio. This bad dog is just rolling. By the way, we've got some programming that we want to keep you abreast of. Tomorrow, we're going to have the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Kevin Colbert, on with us. We're working out the time, so stay tuned, man. We got the GM of the Steelers. We'll get his thoughts on their number one pick, Najee Harris. They were not very good on third and one. And I tell you what, man. They get that dude in there, man, and you correct that, and you were a 12-win football team a year ago, and you could correct 12, you could correct and get better at 12 and 4 because you're going to correct the fact you couldn't get it done at third and one, and you get Najee in there. Hoss, that guy gains a thousand yards or 1,200 yards in his rookie season. That Pittsburgh Steelers team could be a scary team because what's the one thing that team can do? They can play defense on the other side. All right, in this segment here. We're going to hit up a little bit on something that Deion Sanders said. Also, Lamar Jackson, and I'm going to hit up on Deshaun Watson. But also, bottom of the hour, our friend Anthony Beck's going to join us. He is part of the Buccaneers postgame show, and he's a former Buck, former Jet. We'll get his thoughts and maybe a little bit on the Jet conversation, too, on what he sees with Zach Wilson. All right. So, 
before I went on the air, I, I, I happen to have been reading a story that Deion Sanders is pissed that players weren't drafted from the H the historically black colleges, places like Jackson State, like back in the day, Jackie Slater and all those great players and Buck Buchanan and so many legendary football players came out of the historically black colleges and not one player was drafted out of that division. They're all the black colleges that play in a conference. Okay. FAMU, Bethune-Cookman. I love both those programs. By the way, FAMU is my second favorite program next to the University of Miami. We follow each other on Twitter and I just love FAMU, man. Just fantastic program. It's a legendary program. They put so many guys in national football league. So Dion and everybody, they made a story out of this. I guess it's the times we live in where race is a conversation. And you see, I, I, I say this all the time to people. Race has nothing to do with sports. Back in the day, it did. But today, race has nothing to do. The highest paid players in the National Football League are black quarterbacks. That notion of black quarterbacks, it's not a conversation any longer. Now, do we need to do better in hiring when it comes to assistant coaches, general managers, and presidents? Absolutely. But that's an ownership thing. When we're talking player stuff, there's no, 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 nobody sits around doing this. Well, here, let me get my black player board here and my white player board here. And we got too many black guys on our team here, so we need to draft some more. Nobody does that. It's racist and it's dumb. And no, that's not how you win. I don't care if you're green, yellow, or black, or orange, or purple. Can you play? Are you a good teammate? Are you somebody I want in my organization to represent my colors and my logo? I don't give a crap about any of that other stuff. Your sexuality, your, your politics, nobody cares. Nobody cares. But because today's media has to make a story out of race. You actually think an NFL scout did this. Can't play. Hey, I'm not going to draft any guys out of that HBCUs, man. No way. No way at all. You'd be fired in a second. If I had a scout or a GM that talked like that, I'd be like this. Watch this. Let's just pretend race is not our conversation. So you're not going to you're not going to recruit a group of schools that traditionally have put great guys in the NFL. You're fired. Why? Because I don't like. No, because you're dumb. That's more of a dumb dude thing. On top of the fact of it being, it's dumb. Well, I'm not going to recruit. So the point is, you're making a race story out of something that's not a race story. But because we're in today's society, race is always. And I just tell people, stay out of my sandbox. You see, the great thing about sports is this, especially football. It's a civic pride thing. Let me use the Eagles. You think when people go to Link, they look down and they look and go, oh, there's a great black player. Or do you think you hear Eagle guy go, that's a great football player. I'm so glad he plays on my team. There's no faces or color for civic pride. Teams in Green Bay or Pittsburgh, people root for them because they love the Steelers and the Packers. Not because of color of anybody. You know, it's the only place in America where you can say something like this. 
And by the way, for the record, Mike Tomlin's my favorite head football coach. He's my favorite coach. But do you know it's the only place that you can go like this? Mike Tomlin's just not getting it done. He's just not, man. He needs to win more championships. And get this. In our world, we're not called a racist, but if you said something about Senator Tim Scott, he just sucks as a senator. You're going to be called a racist. Sports is the only thing that's left in our country. That's why we need to embrace it and we need to guard it. Because when you can't be critical of quarterback play and you have to worry about the skin color of the players you have on your roster, that's an us problem. Because when you're in an NFL locker room, let me tell you something. There's been things that I've done in my career. Maybe I talk too much like a locker room. Maybe, you know, there's certain words that I, you know, I write down. I write down all my words here, by the way, because of you guys. Because most of you can't handle a locker room, nor none of you could, really. You know, it's funny. I, I, I tell folks this. Most of the people that live in America today, you guys are Clark Kent. And the guys that live in sports locker rooms are supermen. You see, Clark Kent is Superman's version of how he sees the rest of America or everyone else in front of him. Clark Kent is how he looks at Americans. It's how Superman looks at Okay? That's how he looks at them. Clark Kent is the alter ego of Superman, and that's how he sees Americans. Okay? So there's a reason why there's more people in the stands than on the field. Right? And so I, I, I've gotten in trouble with some of the things that I've said because locker rooms, and nobody cares what your color is. So this story with no black players being drafted, it's because they didn't have any. You look at the players that were drafted at a Southeastern Conference, 65 players came out of that. Do you think anybody was talking about black or white? They were talking about whether or not these guys were good or not. Why is that an issue? Because it's today's landscape and it's easy target stuff and it's low hanging fruit. Black players not being drafted. Really? When we ask Kevin Colbert that question, I'm asking him that question tomorrow. Hey, did you not want to draft anybody out of the historically black colleges because of color? He may hang up on us. Take that guy who created inside that organization, the Rooney rule, cares about color. Maybe sometimes, you know, I, I, I look at that and I just. People are just just crazy. OK, just crazy how they look at that stuff, okay? It's about winning football games. Let's get on over to Lamar Jackson here. All right. So I heard Bucky Brooks. And how many people like Bucky? I actually like Bucky Brooks as a I – like, I, I like Bucky Brooks as a talent evaluator. I like him on TV. Comes out the other day, and you know what he says? Comes out the other day. And he says, yeah, maybe what we should start doing is we should start thinking about the Baltimore Ravens moving on from Lamar Jackson. 
I happen to know Lamar. I, I, I love the kid so much. South Florida kid, had a chance to know him. I got really upset with the University of Miami when they didn't recruit him. You get this. He's a South Florida kid, and he doesn't get recruited by Miami. So listen to the story of Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson takes that fuel, throws a log on the fire, goes to Louisville, and what does he do? He wins the Heisman Trophy. He comes out of college, and he has a spectacular career. And organizations around the NFL have him come in to do workouts. This is pre-COVID, obviously. And they bring him in. First thing they want to see him run a 40. Because you know why? They're thinking about moving him to another position. Bill Polian said that Lamar Jackson will never make it in the National Football League as a quarterback. He needs to think about playing another position. This is a Hall of Fame general manager. Okay, who said that he needs to play another position. That was his pre-draft analysis of Lamar. You know what Lamar did with his mom? They told every NFL team, if you're going to have me run, I'm not showing up to your place. So all the places that wanted him to do a 40-yard dash, he refused, to, he refused to go to. So he goes and works out for John Harbaugh. You know, John Harbaugh, you've got to give him massive amount of love on how he has structured that Ravens football team now. You have to love it, okay? Think of this for a minute. You go from Joe Flacco, seven-step drop guy, okay? Seven-step drop guy. And you go from that guy to a guy that runs around the schoolyard. You have to change your entire mentality of how you see the ball game with Lamar than what you did with Flacco. You knew where Flacco was in the pocket, you don't know where Lamar is in the pocket. When you're an offensive lineman, you don't know where this guy is. Is he behind me? Is he moving out? Is he getting out in the perimeter? Hardest guys on the planet to block for are guys that are mobile back there because you don't know where they are. Dude, when you're an offensive lineman and you're standing in front of guys, I know Tom Brady's behind me. I know he's seven. He's seven or three behind me, seven steps or three steps behind me. When you're blocking for Lamar, you got to have more of a feel for it because you know he's going to move around more. Very difficult to block for guys like that. But that's the mentality inside the locker room. So get this. Draft comes. He's the final player taken in the NFL draft because you know what Ozzie Newsom did? Oh, and i got to tell you the story too. Ozzie Newsom, the Hall of Fame tight end, who was the general manager of that team and had a lot of autonomy with Steve Buschetti, the owner of the Ravens. He basically was in that room and he looked over at – John Harbaugh and said this, guess what, guys? You're welcome. Here's Lamar. I won't lie to you, man. I said I don't see it. I said it. Hey, and I'm the first to say that's awesome when a player proves me wrong. I'm not rooting for you to, to fail ever. When I give an assessment, you see, you know the old turds on radio or on TV or whatever platform they're on nowadays, you know what they'll do? They will hammer a point to make sure their narrative fits in that square hole, even though it's a round peg. They'll do everything they can. They'll bring on guests to try to solidify their position and their stance. And you know what? You're like this. Why? Why? You're wrong. So since Lamar has come into the league, Lamar has won 80% of his ball games. He's an MVP. He is one of the absolute superstars in this game. 
Now, here's what you have to understand. And Coach Jimmy Johnson told me this a long time ago. It was kind of the Barry Sanders factor. Kyler Murray kind of falls under this same premise too, the Arizona Cardinal quarterback, okay? Know this, and this was the difference between Emmett and Barry, okay? When you have Barry Sanders, be prepared to have minus yardage because Barry's going to cut back. He's going to come outside of the integrity of the offensive play, and that's what Barry does. Barry does that all the time, okay? So be prepared to have minus yardage. Emmett was never going to come out of the integrity of the offense. That's why you always saw this with Emmett Smith. Three yards, five yards, nine yards, six yards, two yards, one yard, eight yards. Barry, you saw those incredible 35-yard runs. Not with Emmett. Nine yards, eight yards. You look up, Emmett Smith's got 28 carries on 150 yards. And you're like this, where the hell did that come from? You never saw minus plays with Emmett Smith. Never saw it. You saw him with Barry, though, right? So Jimmy Johnson said, if you can learn to live with that, you're going to see minus plays with Kyler Murray. You're going to see minus plays with Lamar Jackson. Okay? You're going to see minus plays. If you're okay with that, then you move forward with it. But here's the one thing. When you get into playoff games and defenses are great and they put the clamps down on your passing game and all of a sudden you don't have that running game going, you're one-dimensional. And when you're a player like Kyler Murray – and when you're a player like Lamar Jackson, if you shut that run down, you make these guys limited in the in their strength. Okay, when I play against Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, I know this. What do they do best? They improvise. They're great on their feet. They can throw the ball on their feet. So what do I do? Got to stop the rain. Got to stop the 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 running game. The running game, and you got to set the edges. You got to keep them in the box. And what you got to try to do is, hey. Make them beat me throwing the ball. You know, going back to that old adage, make me believe that you can beat me from the pocket. And I will say this, Lamar has not shown that in the postseason yet, that he is good enough to beat the truly great teams. And I think Kyler Murray is going to struggle with this. Because again, and, and, and here, know this about Lamar. I love the kid because – I love the shirts that he wears. You know what the shirts say on him? The shirts go like this, no one cares. No one no one cares. And that means this, when I see something like that, no one cares about anything. You got to do everything yourself. You got to get yourself better. You got to make yourself better. You have got to, without a doubt, make sure that you get it right when it comes to improving. And he has. He led the NFL in touchdown passes, Lamar did a couple of years back. So to me, um, no mistake, he's getting better. And I do think Kyler Murray's going to continue to get better as long as they keep putting assets around him. So you, you, you get people that are in this business and in my business that I guess just like to throw crap out at stuff. And, you know, I saw that and I was like this. So hang on here now, man. Okay, hang on here now. Let me, let me we're going to go down that line here of maybe wanting to whatever to maybe – you know, like, let's let's say you want me to move on from that guy so we can go to Justin Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, so that I can sit there and go like this. Yeah, let's just start the whole process all over again. I'm not doing that. You got your guy. Move forward with it. Okay? He's continuing to get better. Now, because of the style of play he has, are you going to give him a Patrick Mahomes 10-year deal? Absolutely not. 
he's one hit away from having those wheels knocked out from under him the same way RG3 was. Okay. He, he, he was, he, he's a spectacular player, but the notion of moving on from Lamar Jackson is one of the most absurd things that I heard during the whole draft process. He's a fine ball player and I am a gigantic fan of Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. And I think they're going to continue to win a hell of a lot of ball games. All right. Let's transition into this. This is another touchy subject here. You know the one thing that people have gone silent on? They've gone silent on Deshaun Watson, haven't they? My assessment of Deshaun Watson, I think he is a fabulous football player. I think he has a lot of respect by his teammates in Houston. And when he was at Clemson, I've heard Dabble Sweeney, the head football coach, Uh, Just talk about him and his character and what kind of guy he is. Obviously, this situation in Houston is not good for anybody, okay? These accusations um, have come from every angle, and they have basically stopped the process of potentially trading for him. Got to be very careful here because this is what you have to understand. You got potential victims over here. You've got Deshaun here. You've got a career here. You've got a reputation here. And what you're not trying to do is you're not trying to insult anybody, especially me. So I think you first have to start out with the victims or the people accusing him of these sexual harassment slash assault civil suits. I want to differentiate and I want to make sure that we understand these suits against Deshaun. Very t- very touchy here, isn't it? Because he wants out. The Texans are not sure they want him out. I think these allegations here, I think they have maybe elevated them to be more receptive to listen to maybe moving on from this problem. But you do have to understand one thing. What is the one entity that always looks out for itself bigger than anything else? You know what that is? The league. Deshaun Watson has not been put on the NFL's commissioner exemplist yet. We we there, what is there like 20 some odd accusations against him? And you're not on that commissioner's list. They clearly know more than we do. I mean, how many times have we seen one accusation put a guy on a list? Numerous times. Why hasn't the National Football League put that guy on the commissioner's exempt list? You see, all this dynamic, has it made all the rest of the teams do this? Yes. So Mike Florio makes some comments that some teams are still interested. I'm going to get to those teams. Because we're moving further along in this process. Do you know that there's no criminal charges against him yet? Okay. How, how do you take that? There's no criminal charges against them. All right. And, and where I'm going with this is if you're an organization, are you not weighing this out here? I want Deshaun. Hey, if I'm the Dolphins, Deshaun Watson on my Dolphin team, are you crazy? Deshaun Watson is one of the top five guys in the game. Bet your ass I want that guy on my team. But I've got to know something's not going to jump up behind me and derail that and public opinion. You start talking to the Texans 
when you have these allegations out there like that, the general manager of that respected team is going to take a lot of heat in the community because you know what? We're headline readers and we have internet assassins. Oh, you're going after a guy that's been accused. No, he hasn't. You get somebody that's and, – and know this too with Deshaun. See, what I'm trying to do here is I'm giving you the entire story. When you have allegations like this, don't you go after the crime first? All of these folks are going after the money first. So he's not on the exempt list. There's no criminal charges against him. And they're doing civil suits, which means you're attacking the money. You're not attacking the crime. If somebody had done that to my daughter, I want that guy's ass locked up in jail. I'm not going to concern myself with the money. I want him in jail if this amount of crime is against this quarterback. You see, here, here on the National Football Show, we discuss everything here. And we're laying out whether or not he's movable to another ball club. What I'm doing right now is what every organization in the National Football League that is thinking about Deshaun Watson is doing. You can run and hide underneath your desk, but this is what the Broncos are doing. This is what the Dolphins are doing. To some extent, the Eagles are doing. The Giants could be possibly doing this. When you have a guy who wants out, the same way that Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay, everybody's got their own story. The front offices are going to sit there and do this. What are plus minuses on this? Is he movable? Do I give up first round draft choices knowing that all of this is still hanging out there? A lot of organizations are in this position now because you know what? There's a part of the organization that would do this. Because of the allegate, and this is going to sound crappy, but because of the allegations that are out there, do we get them cheaper? Then the owner parachutes in and says, yeah, then you have all kinds of women group coming after us because we're talking to a team that's got this guy. What do you do? Do you wait for it to play out till June? That's probably what I would do because you got to remember, like I said, you have accusations here. You can't dismiss that. There could be some true crimes here. And what you don't want to have happen is that to come back and hit you in the face because get this, I'd rather live without Sean Watson and live with Case Keenum. And you guys can deal with all that over there. But if I can do my due diligence and all my homework and I can figure out if this guy's movable or not, you see, that's what teams are trying to figure out. It's not that they don't want the player. Is he movable? How much do I have to give up for him? How much backlash in the public am I going to feel from him? Now, look, this is one of the situations like this. Look, when you're looking at the Green Bay scenario and you're looking at the Deshaun Watson scenario, you're not going to get any political backlash when you move Aaron Rodgers. Okay? You are with Deshaun. And you're going to have to do this. How about this? Even if he's cleared, you're still going to have to deal with potential collateral damage. Okay? Because somebody's going to – I just got through telling you about – you know how people bring crap up all the time on athletes. They go back in the past and they look at something that a guy tweeted, what have you. Well, they're going to constantly bring this stuff up with the accusations, okay? So is he movable? I still think that Deshaun Watson will not be a Houston Texan, and I think he's potentially going to be on another football team, okay? Is it Denver? 
Boy, Denver, man, they want a veteran quarterback so bad. They hate Drew Locke, okay? And one thing about John Elway, he cannot pick quarterbacks. Paxton Lynch's of the world, the Brock Osweiler's of the world, okay? The, 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 the players that he's put into that position at that quarterback, outside of going into free agency and bringing a guy like a Peyton Manning in, it's been a train wreck. You know, if he didn't fall into Peyton Manning, I don't know, man. John Elway, do you think he's really done a great job in Denver? I don't know. That's why he loves the veteran quarterback. So Rodgers and Watson could be options to go to Denver. But I think you've got to wait a little bit longer here when it comes to Deshaun to get a little bit more intel. But you know what, guys? As the weeks go on, and he's not on the NFL's commissioner's exempt list, I think it's something to ponder if you're an organization looking for a veteran quarterback. All right, let's go on to and transition into this here with Josh Allen. Looks like they've picked the option up. That's an $18.8 million option on Josh Allen. Man, do I love this guy. I saw him playing at Wyoming, and I saw him play against San Diego State. He's a Mountain West guy. His junior year, he had a bunch of good players around him. He was just absolutely a stud. And I thought he was just – he was really a great-looking prospect. You know, he comes out of college, and he goes up to Buffalo. You couldn't ask to land in a better city, and you couldn't ask to be around a better coach than Sean McDermott. They get him up there, and I will make this comment to you. When I watch him play and I look at guys like Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, he got better in the second half of the season. But this guy, Josh Allen, was in the conversation for the Most Valuable Player Award. He was awesome. He's continuing to get better. Look at how important coaching is, is my important, and where you land in the draft to accelerate your potential success in the NFL. If you've got an organization that's going to continue to put people around you, that's going to continue to give you faith, and is going to continue to develop you, you're looking at Josh Allen the same way you're looking at Dak Prescott going, these guys are getting better and better and better and better. They're putting the homework in. The organization is putting the assets in. This is exactly what we're talking about when it comes to developing a quarterback. The Buffalo Bills have done one of the absolute best jobs at bringing him along. And this goes down to the old school way of bringing a quarterback along the same way that Bill Walsh brought Joe Montana around. They give him half the field to manage. They're putting assets around him. What I mean by half the field, if you ever go back and look at all the tapes of Joe Montana, early in his career, he rolled right. Why was that? So that Montana only had to manipulate and to work with half the field. Most players are like this when they get into the league. As you get older and more experienced, okay, you get a guy right here where, get this, he starts to see the entire field. And he starts to see everything play out, and he starts to see it more. Then he starts to move him back towards center, and he starts to drop back more, and he's able to see the entire field. That's how you develop a quarterback. That's how the great coaches develop quarterbacks. That's how they develop Montana. They did the same thing with Josh Allen 
in Buffalo. They rolled them. They moved them out a lot. They put them out in the perimeter. They let him have the sideline in case he needed to throw the ball away. It's a brilliant way of developing young quarterbacks. The biggest mistake that certain guys make in organizations, they'll get a quarterback, and you know what they'll do? They'll just let him drop back and pretend he can see the whole field. When you play in the NFL, man, those windows that you had in college are so shut down. And when you are in the National Football League, okay, they become portholes. And you've got to know where to throw the ball. I was happy to see that they gave him that contract extension. And he's going to make 18-8 this year. And, boy, I'll tell you what, the Buffalo Bills have a roster that I think could get them back to a point where they could be real strong contenders for an AFC championship. And that could be one of your football teams. I think the Browns got a great roster. I think the Bills got a great roster. I think the Kansas City Chiefs really have a great roster. Those AFC teams, they're loaded this year. I mean, look, you got a team like the Browns who don't even know what to do with a guy like Odell Beckham. I mean, when he comes back this year, supposedly it looks like he's going to be healthy. What do you do with him? They were more successful without him. Do you move him as you get closer to June 1? Do you put him out there on a position where you put him on an island out there and you say this, okay, come get him. You're never going to recoup the first-round draft choice that you gave up for him, but what you're going to get is a roster spot and you're going to have more continuity in your offensive approach. Okay, so, I mean, bottom line is you've got to look at it and you've got to look down towards whether or not Odell Beckham is in that position. All right, we're going to take a timeout. Hopefully we're going to catch up and effort our friend Anthony Beck. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Welcome to the Wildwoods, the perfect place where you can safely do everything or nothing at all. Catch a wave. Take a nap, go for a drive, grab a bite. It's your vacation, and we're doing everything we can to make it a safe one. The Wildwoods, your vacation, your way. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. The light from a star can take millions of years to reach Earth. So when you look at a star, you're looking back in time. But I see the future. I see exploration and courage. I see my country finding new horizons out there. And I see giant leaps making a comeback. I see myself 
The future is where I'll make history. Jody Mack, the legendary sports talker, joins forces with NFL insider John McMullen. Start your morning with Johnny Mack and Jody Mack across the Jacob Media Network. Welcome back to the National Football Show. And we're privileged to get my guy off the football field right now. He's got a camp going on, and he took time for us. The former Buccaneer and New York Jet, part of the post-game show with the Buccaneers, our friend Anthony Beck. How you doing, brother? I like the new gigs, Dan. Really nice setup, man. This is sweet. I like it. How you been, all right? Oh, good, man. I mean, look, there's so much content to go through here. You know, you come out of the draft, you're looking at some of the comments that are being made up in Packerville, and here are the Buccaneers, dude. I mean, they get 22 guys back. They get both their coordinators back. They get their head coach back. They're even asking Tom Brady, hey, are you cool with us getting Kyle Trask? I mean, you all right with that? I mean, things are good in Buckville right now, ain't they? Yeah, you know what? It, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, they, they probably had a, a case of beer in, in the draft room when they were picking these guys because they had a variety of options and where to go. I kind of like their picks. They got a pass rusher at 32, kind of fell to him with uh, Tryon. And I actually felt like, you know, I, I was predicting Kyle Trask at that pick. I mean, just think about it. You got a kid that was arguably the best quarterback in the SEC that people said, OK, maybe not the best athlete. But, man, you get to learn behind Brady. And think about this now. In, in past years, I don't think Brady would have been willing to help any quarterback, you know, throughout his prime. I just feel like he's in a, in a place in his career right now where he he's going to spill the beans to this kid and he's going to learn, like, a bunch of new stuff, a bunch of stuff to help him get ready for the future. So they may have gotten their guy for the future as well. How about this, Anthony? Don't you think also that this is something that Brady coveted up in New England where, get this, again – you're not asking the player whether or not you should draft him. They're asking you and telling you this is where we're going with trying to improve the football team in case something disastrous happens or for the future here. They wanted Brady's input. And Brady's like, you know, this was like two weeks ago. Basically. And I'm not saying, again, Anthony, I'm not saying they, they went with the pick because Brady was cool with it, but – isn't this something he always wanted? Because I can't see Bill Belichick ever going like this. Hey, Tom, you 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 cool with us drafting Jimmy Garoppolo? I mean, isn't this something he always wanted, being part of the process up there? Yeah, I think so. I think it's that time of his career where, you know, he's kind of fulfilled and satisfied. And, you know, he just seemed like a different dude this year when he played, you know, just a little looser. Uh, you know, you, you didn't see some of the the old sideline antics and stuff like that. But, I mean, listen, he was in a – his intangibles were awesome this year. Guys just believed in him, and that was it. I mean, it came down to a couple of text messages every single day to the guys and little things here and there to get these kids believing, and they went out and won a Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, look, I think it's great. I think, you know, Tom would, would love to have a guy he can spend a year or two more with to, to kind of, you know, show him number one. And then number two, just, you know, you know, just give him the, the knowledge that he needs to come and start fast. We've seen some of the really good quarterbacks – you think about Chad Pennington with Vinny Testaverde. You think of Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and some of these other players that have waited, Mahomes and Alex Smith. 
it really paid dividends for them to learn and watch for a year. And now those guys are taking off. So this this could be a very good you know team moving forward for the future if if Kyle Trask can can learn those things and get better at those kind of things, not just the football stuff. You know, we brought up that they brought back 22 guys. It's the first time since the 79 Steelers that they're bringing back all of their starters that came off of a Super Bowl. Who was the most important sign, in your opinion, bringing back and the guy that was vital for Jason Light to get this thing rolling again where they started seeing the other players go, all right, he signed, I want to be part of this process again. Who was the guy? You know, I don't, I don't think they thought that Shaq Barrett would be able to get done. You know, um, and I think personally that, you know, uh, Todd Bowles could probably probably could have said, listen, I, I can make another guy be close to that output because of the system. I think Shaq fits and does well because the system caters to him a little bit. And they do have some fantastic inside guys as well with Vita Vea and Indomic and Sue. So uh, I think that was the guy that was a little bit of a question mark for me. I thought maybe they let him walk, but they figured it out, man. You know, I give credit to Jason Light, you know, working the numbers and getting these guys to believe. Uh, you know, Levante David, I thought would have been a little bit of a tough sign as well, but they found ways, whether whether it was renegotiating other guys' contract, where they're not necessarily losing money, they're taking a little bit of pay cut, but they're getting more of that money up front. So, you know, cash is king. If they can get that money up front, where maybe they wouldn't see it if they get cut, then, you know, that's a positive as well. So everybody kind of was happy with it. And a guy like Cameron Bray, for instance, you think he wants to go somewhere else or he wants no. to win a Super Bowl and make some money now? If he can get himself another ring, I think he'd be satisfied with that. Anthony, give me the impact you think Brady has had on Bruce Arians. I think you saw it the second half of the season. I think what we saw offensively is we didn't see a mesh. We didn't see two sides coming together and, figure, and figuring it out and saying, okay, what works for both of us? How can we make this go? And instead, you know, it was a process where they were a little slow out the gate the first eight games. And then all of a sudden, you know, they started to learn about each other. They started to get a little input of each other. It wasn't Tom Brady calling plays or anything. It was just about, okay, if we do this play this way, if we can just tweak it like this, I think it would better suit us instead of just running guys deep down the field. So you saw a little bit of the offense grow. And I think, honestly, the product of the, the – I think the run game was a little bit of a help as well with Fournette and, uh, and, and Rojo behind there. They had a really strong finish to the season. And I think that helped the offense do some of the things Tom Brady likes to do as well with an effective run game behind him. What do you think the impact the variants had on Brady? You know what? I think it was uh, – Brady's been with Belichick, right? So, I, yeah. I mean, Arians is kind of the same dude. I mean, Arians is going to kind of talk to everybody the same uh, and hold everybody accountable. And I think early on when we saw, you know, B.A. was kind of saying some stuff about Brady early on in the season, everybody's like, oh, there's a friction and, you know, they, they don't like each other. But, you know, look at – a good coach once told me you treat everybody it was everybody fairly but not equally, you know, and, and that's just kind of how it is sometimes. So, you know, everybody gets treated the way they, they should be treated, but sometimes you gotta you got to pick your poison with certain guys, and I think as the season went on, A.B. and, and uh, Tom Brady got on the same page. Jimmy Johnson used to tell me this, Anthony. Jerome Brown's here. You're here, okay? And for you to get here, you got to do this here. And those are the greatest coaches to me because you know why? They're not lying to you. And they let you know where you are in the room and where you are in the totem pole. So I think it's been a really great influence on both guys. Okay, I got to ask you about your Jets too as well. Bro, why do they have troubles when it comes to developing quarterbacks at that organization? 
I, you know, I just really don't think they've had the, the type of personnel, coaching personnel in the spots to help develop those guys. And that's not disrespectful to Gase or anybody else, but uh, I really think, you know, I got, I got to spend a lot of time. I covered the Jets draft up in New York. I spent a lot of time uh, in, the, in the cafeteria with these coaches and, and picked their brain a little bit. And, uh, you know, number one, personnel-wise, I think, you know, Joe Douglas was adamant, maybe overly, to make sure he had people around Zach Wilson to make sure that he can be successful. And they got a top 10 player in their guard at 14. They moved up for him, gave a little assets up for it. Elijah Moore is the best slot receiver in the draft, and they got him in the second round. He's a first-round guy. And look, Zach Wilson, I mean, his job gets a little easier when you have an offensive coordinator, quarterback coach that is confident and understands the strengths of what they got. Well, they picked a guy that they feel like is the best guy out of all the other quarterbacks they could have picked it to fill that gap to make this offense go. And I look at the coaching staff. You see a lot of young coaches mixed in with a lot of veterans. Like Coach Calabrese is the quarterback coach. He's like a four-year coach in the league. But the passing coordinator is Coach Knapp. Knapp's been around for 30 years, man. Coach Michael Vick, Schaub. I mean, this guy's, you know, he's been around some Matt Ryan. He's been around some great quarterbacks. So you get a good, healthy mix. Sometimes you get a coach that's a new coach that doesn't quite understand how to build his staff, and it ends up wrecking everything, where they got some really good, talented coaches. And I think their offensive line coach, who Kyle Shanahan desperately wanted to keep, John Benton, is a gem, man. The guy's super smart, and he feels like this line right now is as good as any line he's had even in San Francisco, where they have pretty good movement and push in their outside zone scheme there. All right, finally here, dude. I got to ask you this. What the hell's going on in Green Bay? I have never – And now, look, you know what I don't want to come off as? Old dude on the front lawn, get off my lawn kind of guy because, oh, back in the day, back when we played, I played against John Elway. These guys were tough dudes, and they, they you know, they one guy played on a prosthetic. I'm like, no, I don't want to be that guy, you know? I mean, but – you know, it comes to a point where you're just seeing this thing public and you're hearing a general manager say, well, he's our quarterback for the foreseeable future. I mean, I wouldn't want my wife to talk to me like that, that Dan's my husband for the foreseeable future. I've been married 33 years. That might bug me. You know, you've had a relationship with the guy for a long time. I mean, you think this thing gets resolved by um, the start of the 2021 season? You know, I don't think so. I'll be honest with you. I think I think Aaron's going to hold hold his ground. Um, you know, I, I I think that the communication seems to be atrocious in that organization. And it's funny when every every time something comes up and Aaron has something to say or he does something, all of a sudden we hear all the coaching staff and all the players and or excuse me, all the personnel guy talk about. They just gush about everything about the guy. So I'm thinking to myself, why isn't he happy? I mean, you know, is, he isn't happy because they drafted Jordan Love he wants to be at least in the mix he doesn't want to make the pick he just wants to be hey listen this is our move we're close Aaron what do you think we got four guys here how can we help what do you check them out like a little bit of that input they don't have to take the guy he wants but I think he just wants to feel that you know that they are at the same kind of what's the word like high risk areas he is he knows the window's small and he's got a team that's close but if you don't fill those voids, you know, how are they going to get over the hump? Yeah, well, everybody's like, oh, they got to the NFC, you know, second round of the playoffs, all this stuff. Well, yeah, they did. But you know what? They weren't – it wasn't enough to get over the top. I think he probably has got a good feel on it, why it's not happening. 
And look, he's got a little leverage now. We'll say what you want. Maybe he's got something with Jeopardy. I mean, if somebody's going to pay $10 million or something, oh, yeah. guess what? Sign me up. I'll be asking questions for the next 15 years. So, uh, you know, I, I think he loves I love he loves the game. He just wants – I mean, if, if he's talking about going to 49ers in Oakland, I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're, is that better than Green Bay? I, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, he might want to get closer to the West Coast. You know, I can't imagine he'll want to play for Gruden. That doesn't make much sense to me. Kyle Shanahan, I believe, would truly get the most out of what he can do and the players because he's so smart. I think he's the, 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 the coach right now. It's on top of his game. So that would make a little sense. But um, I'll tell you what, man, I'm going to go against the grain here. I think he may actually hold out and not play and just say, hey, Here's your money back. I'm sitting out. And then, look, he's got the option to leave the, the year after. So it's really – he's got a little more leverage than the team right now. If the team's just going to say, hey, we're just going to go with Jordan Love, then good luck, you know, because I don't think that's, that's going to be a real good thing for that football team. So we'll see what happens. But I'm going to I'm gonna lean on the, on the side that maybe not a lot of people are taking and just assume things will get worked out. I think he's going to stay strong with it. Yeah, I agree with you, dude. I mean, you know, like you just said, I don't think it's about the quarterback, but I think it's a part of it. Like last year in the NFC title game, they give up that play and that touchdown going into the end zone against the Bucs. They don't go for it on fourth down, and they're still 26-6, and six, right? They're still 26-6. and six. He's gone to two conference championships. I mean, this guy's got – And clearly Rodgers was not happy about that call, right? So right. it's just like, man, you know, sometimes you go away from the analytics, man. You got one of the best ever. Just let them lose the game or win the game for you. At the end of the day, that's what you got to do sometimes. And they chose a different route, and that would hurt. It would hurt me. I mean, if I was him after that game, I'd be. That would hurt. I mean, that that's that may that's the game changer of his career if they get that play. Absolutely, Beck. Thank you so much, Anthony, for coming aboard, brother. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, you got it. Best of luck with the show, man. You got it. That is Anthony Beck, our guy, former. Buccaneer and New York Jet. He's now part of the broadcast team for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And yeah, man, I this Aaron Rodgers story is just continuing to blow up. And Anthony believes that he's not going to, in any way whatsoever, be part of the 2021 um, Packers season here. And I, I, I find that hard to believe. I really do. I find that hard to believe that he's not going to be part of that whole entire equation. So we shall see how this whole thing plays out. I mean, look, if you're Green Bay, don't you bend over backwards to kiss this guy's ass to make sure that he's happy so that you can get him back. Or, as I said a couple segments back, maybe this is how you want to play it out because your track record shows that you have done this before in the past. This is how this divorce happened with Brett Favre. This is how it ended with him. It wasn't, you know, one of those. I, 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 to, to give you the to give you the comparison, how many people look at the divorce that Green or that the uh, the Patriots had with Brady? And you look at that and you go like this, you know, that thing could have gotten really ugly, really fast, right? The Patriots put it on Brady. Brady wanted out. What an absolute olive branch that was for New England. You see, when I look at Green Bay, don't you feel Green Bay's pushing Aaron Rodgers out? The Patriots did this. They never offered him a deal ever. They never offered Brady, Brady a deal. They waited until the very last second before free agency began. They waited. 
Brady didn't want to wait. Goes into Bob Kraft's office. Then he goes into his home and he says, that's it. I'm done. I'm out of here. It was all on Tom Brady. The Patriots are sitting back like this. And and, and I'm going to tell you what I think happened this last year, this COVID year. I think the Patriots went like this. It's better for us and our fans that we didn't have the successful season that we wanted to have. But you know what they did come out of it? They kept their fans. Nobody is accusing the Patriots of pushing Tom Brady out. How many times do we see that? Oh, you forced John Elway out. Oh, you forced uh, Dan Marino out or into retirement. And, man, that becomes ugly, doesn't it? Fans get a little bit. Look at what's going on in Green Bay right now. And you've got this ping pong going back and forth, and guys are bitching at one another. And I think New England played it perfectly. They go out, they get a veteran guy in Cam Newton. They bring Cam Newton in. Cam Newton struggles a little bit with COVID-19. He has to sit out some games. Remember this, man. I'll tell you what, that Kansas City game, if Cam Newton is a healthy guy in that game, I'd like to have seen what that game would have been with him on that field. I'm not saying that Cam had a good year at all because he didn't. But who would have had a good year with that personnel in New England? Can you name a guy outside of Julian Edelman? And don't give me that guy they drafted out of Arizona State and tell me that that guy Harry was anything. He is a colossal bust by Bill Belichick at wide receiver. As a matter of fact, they struggle at that position when it comes to drafting. Yeah, they they struggle at that position. So, I mean, but how they handled it compared to what the Packers are handling it? Hey, I will tell you, Green Bay needed to take a page because if you're trying to move off of Aaron Rodgers, that ain't the way to do it. And I am starting to agree with Anthony. I think what this guy's going to do This guy's going to hold out, and he's going to go like this. I'm not playing for you until you move me. And if you don't want to move me, then get this. I'll just wait until the following year, and I'll be a free agent, and I'll move, and we both lose in the process. Why, if you're Green Bay, do you want to stay married to this guy? Okay? Okay, why do you want to stay married to this guy? You don't want to stay married to him if you're the Packers. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, you do not want to stay married to him. All right. Let's go over to here now. And you heard Anthony Beck bring up John Gruden. And that was one of the comments that was being made that potentially that'd be a landing place for Aaron Rodgers. I I personally can't see. Aaron Rodgers playing for John Gruden, and here's why. You go to you go from Green Bay where you have a ready-made football team that's been to two NFC championships. Okay, is the defense a little bit suspect on that side of the ball in Green Bay? Absolutely. But the defense in Green Bay is 10 times better than the defense in Las Vegas. The Raiders can't tackle. The Raiders can't. Get people on the ground. The Raiders can't pass rush. So why would you go to a lesser place? Are you trying to win championships or do you want your last few years? Now, see, you got to understand something. Look at J.J. Watt. Do you really believe J.J. Watt went to the Arizona Cardinals because he thought he'd win a Super Bowl? Or do you think 
Do you think that J.J. Watt went to the Arizona Cardinals because he wanted a great ending to his career in a comfort zone? Do you think he took comfort zone versus winning? He could have went to Buffalo. Buffalo put a deal on the table. As a matter of fact, the Cleveland Browns put a deal on the table, and so did the Packers where he played his college ball up in Wisconsin. They all put deals on the table. Those were better football teams in Arizona, and I'm not saying Arizona's not a bad with Chandler there and all them dudes, man. I'm not saying that they're not a bad football team because they are a good football team, okay? That team can get after people, and when you add J.J. Watt to the mix, okay, all right? I kind of see it, but you think they're one of the best teams in the NFC West? I don't. Okay, when I when I look at that division, there's no question that the Rams got better getting Matthew Stafford in the room. There's no question that you have a guy in – Russell Wilson, who's still going to be the bell cow in that in that division. I mean, that division itself is outstanding. And if Garoppolo's healthy, for the record, okay, Garoppolo could be in the conversation with Matthew Stafford. He's gone farther in the playoffs than what Matthew Stafford has ever done. So if Garoppolo's healthy, I don't know. Garoppolo could actually be the second-best quarterback in that division. Or, yeah, the second-best quarterback in that division. Going to the Raiders, I mean, Derek Carr, I think – watch this – I. I think I think when you look at a place like Derek Carr and you look at the Raiders and you do this, I don't know, why would I go there? Why would I go to the Raiders? It just doesn't make sense there. Why would I want to try to go to an NFC West team or try to go to an AFC West? Like Beck said, those places are all kind of like they're all kind of like closed off to him now. Okay? I mean, and going and playing in the AFC West or going and trying to play – because he's a West Coast guy. That's where I'm saying. He's trying to play in one of those two divisions, AFC West, or he's trying to play in the NFC West. But you're not going to go to – you're not going to go to San Francisco now, okay? You're not going to get a job now, say, with the Chargers. You're not getting a job with the Rams. Now, could you get a job with the 49ers? You know, I, I, I said that, but I just thought about that, and I'm thinking – Okay, would you cash in Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo and send those guys to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers? Boy, I just I just talked myself into that deal. Yeah, I would. <laughs> and draft choices? Yeah, I would. Okay? Yeah, I would do that. So, yeah, okay. Okay, maybe I would do that. All right? <laughs> you talked me into it. Would, would Kyle Shanahan go, hey, guess what? He wants to come home and play where he played his college ball at Cal. Okay, would you would you change course just like that with John Lynch? That's the kind of guy that makes you change course, though, isn't it? Watch this. You you you've got Jimmy Garoppolo. You're getting ready. You got Trey Lance. All of a sudden, the Packers call. Hey, look, you send those two quarterbacks to us plus draft choices. We'll send you Aaron Rodgers. If you're John Lynch, the GM, and you're Kyle Shanahan, what do you do? Do you go like this? Do you, do, do you take the game plan and do you look at it and you just had the whole game plan written out and do you go like this? Okay. We're going to start all over again here. Okay. Aaron Rodgers is now on the table for us, guys. What are we going to do? Are we going to rip that plan up? You bet your ass you rip that plan up. You bet your ass. And what you love about this story is, 
every single day that there's something new that's coming out of this story here. And make no mistake about it. This thing here is going to be very interesting. All right. Little programming note. We were just told that we're getting Kevin Colbert tomorrow. That'll be 5 o'clock Eastern time that we're going to get the president and general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers tomorrow. We'll talk to him about the restructuring of Ben Roethlisberger's contract, what they liked in Najee Harris, okay? The fact that that football team last year got off to an impressive start and they ended up kind of fading towards the end. So Kevin Colbert will join us tomorrow, the general manager of the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Kadri Ishmael, too, who's part of the broadcast team for the Ravens. As the Ravens prepare, they'll be one of the favorites to go into the 2021 season. And I like that football team. They upgraded on defense. Calais Campbell's on that football team. They got the defensive end from Jacksonville slash through Minnesota. That's a good-looking group there, and I think that football team is going to do a great job. So those guys are scheduled with us tomorrow. We appreciate everybody jumping aboard. Krause, great job. And, hey, we'll catch you on the flip side. You keep it right here on the National Football Show. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.